1: Today's guest is Sarah Andert, founder and owner of Vintage Green Review, a zero-waste education, lifestyle, and consulting business. Andert helps people live a vibrant, low-waste lifestyle with vintage-inspired solutions that make sustainability fun and interesting. She has a background in journalism and education. Sarah Andert, welcome to the podcast.
0: Hi, thanks for having me.
1: I guess it should be mentioned, and I should ask you uh, Tell me about where we are right now as we record this.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so we are in the new March pilot pop-up space at 3530 Magazine Street, right across from Ace Hardware. So this is a space that I was able to uh, sublease for a month to try out the location as a possible permanent spot for a new brick-and-mortar store.
1: All right. Now, can you educate us and explain what does zero waste mean, give us the whole...
0: So zero waste in its purest form means that you produce zero trash in your household or as an individual. Um, So that can mean that you use recycling and composting to sort of divert the waste that you do create into um, more sustainable long-term management rather than having it pile up in the landfill. So you're essentially sending zero trash to the landfill, but uh, you're also doing that with the understanding that our recycling industry across the country is a very broken system. It's extremely problematic. And a lot of people, there are a lot of misconceptions around what actually can and does get recycled and what
1: does not. So what are the things that we do every day that cause a lot of waste? And what are the top 10 things you can do to alter that behavior?
0: Yeah, so wish cycling is probably the biggest problem when it comes to the recycling industry, which is you have this thing that's plastic, you have good intentions, Uh you are, okay, let me just throw it in the recycling bin and hope it gets recycled. Problem is, you know, if it's not recyclable, it contaminates the whole batch of stuff and all of it ends up getting sent to the landfill. So that's number one, being really, really clear about what actually can and cannot be recycled. And that awareness is growing both locally and nationwide as more um, journalists are covering the plastic pollution crisis. So I think we are getting better about that, but um, just knowing things like plastic cutlery cannot be recycled,
1: that's a big one that people just kind of throw in there anyway. Oh, that's bad. I thought that that seemed like a, a good slam dunk one. Why can't that be done? Uh,
0: because it's really small, so it gets kind of caught, and it's just the type of plastic it's made out of is not easily recyclable. So actually, here in New Orleans, you can only recycle plastics number one and two. And so all those little symbols on the bottom of your bottles and packaging, they actually don't mean that it is recyclable. It just means the type of plastic it is. There's numbers one through seven. Um, An NPR article covered this a couple months ago where they actually discovered it was the plastics industry that clued into putting these symbols on the bottle because then consumers would think it is automatically recyclable. But in many cases, it's not uh, because of the different composition of the plastics. Really, only one in two are easy
1: to recycle. Not to get too far into the weeds, but what are examples of one and two plastics and what are examples of the stuff that we all think are and shouldn't be putting in the recycling?
0: Yeah, so one and two would be like your basic juice bottles, water bottles, soda bottles. Um, The other big one that we see a lot are fives. So fives can either be your like darker black plastics or a lot of sauce and yogurt containers, for example, are number five. Uh, And um, a lot of takeout containers from restaurants are number five. And so we don't have five here. Some other cities around the country do. So that's kind of like a medium-ish recyclable, but the the darker plastics, smaller plastics, a lot of them get missed and filtered out um, in the recycling process. So your uh, materials recycling facility, uh, uh, they are um, they vary a lot across the country in terms of the sophistication, the technology, um, but generally the idea is that the smaller ones, the dark ones, as they're going along on the belt, they kind of blend in and they get missed. So it's kind of a... a color issue and a size issue. That's why like things like bottle caps and really small things um, also don't often get recycled. So general rule of thumb, especially here in New Orleans, where our our, um, recycling is hand sorted, um, they say kind of nothing smaller than the size of your fist, because if you think about it, it's all passing by on this belt and they are actually grabbing things off the belt to that they identify as recyclable.
1: Okay, understood. So what, what are some of the other things we need to mention just from this top-down? Perspective?
0: Yeah, so another one of the largest contributors to landfill waste is actually yard trimmings and lawn clippings, which could very easily just be uh, composted, and then all of those nutrients and resources go back into the soil.
1: Okay, talk me through that because I wanna do that and I just, I literally just filled up a bunch of bags. They're sitting, uh, and I feel guilty because they're sitting by my front sidewalk right now. What, what should I be doing instead?
0: <laughs> yeah, so if you can home compost, that's really the best uh, option. Uh, we don't have a city sponsored composting system as other cities do. So in some other cities, they actually have other compost bins, just like your recycle bin that you can fill up with your yard trimming and they go to these bigger composting sites. Uh, for yard waste and yard trimming um, here, I believe you have to do it at home, but we do have other composting programs for food scraps. But if you think about it, you take those yard trippings, you put them often in a plastic bag, which the plastic does not biodegrade or break down. And then it's going into a landfill where you're not getting exposure to light or you know sunlight to break it down with other microorganisms and things. It's just sitting there really, really compact in this like fully encased plastic not able to do its you know natural organic thing.
1: Okay so composting versus putting all of my oak tree leaves by the sidewalk would be a good step love it okay what's what's another major tenet of this system yeah
0: so then an extension of that would be composting your food scraps so on average each person generates about four pounds of trash per day so if you actually go through your trash can and do a little waste audit for yourself if you have a scale you can weigh this stuff Well, your plastic packaging is really light it doesn't weigh that much um you know it's it's contributing to plastic pollution in other ways but your dense food scraps are really heavy and it's the same concept you can put them in compost instead you know they break down use it as you know in your gardening with your soil mix uh, and then those nutrients are going back into the natural environment versus again being encased in a plastic bag in a landfill that then also has its own liner that you know is not breaking anything down.
1: Is it as simple as creating a a space in your yard, building some kind of box or big container and just putting it all in there? Is that it?
0: Yeah, so there is definitely an art and a science to composting and I am not the expert in that regard. There are folks who are, so I always defer to them. But there are different types of composting systems that you can do kind of depending on your space. Uh, So what we have at my house is like a raised double barrel bin and it's metal and it has two different sides to it so you put stuff in one side while the other side is sort of cooking and breaking down and then you fill up one side you know it's uh it's suspended so you can roll it around so that it's like kind of flipping and um you know getting mixed up and then usually by the time we've filled one side the other side is ready to be emptied and we just take it out and put it right in our garden plants (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, for folks that um, don't have this space or yard access or just don't even want to, you know, spend the time doing it or don't have that time or capacity, um, there are programs in the city like Compost Now, which has drop-off sites. And what you can do in that case is you can freeze your scraps and then you just bring them and drop them off. And they have those dates and locations listed on the website. So that's a great option.
1: That sounds very smart. Other, Other sort of these big kind of top categories you should mention before i start asking you about your new project here yeah. so besides the um, avoiding wish cycling uh, composting uh, all that stuff any other major things to mention as-
0: um i think just thinking more about the life cycle of the things that we buy and use every day so any given item that you use or consume or purchase It had to come from somewhere and it has to go somewhere when you're done with it. So even if you buy something made out of recycled plastic, say, you know, they make deck boards out of compact recycled plastic, which is great because you're using materials that already exist. But what happens when the next home buyer comes along and rips out the deck and renovates? Those deck boards still have to go somewhere. So we need to be thinking more about the fact that all of the things that we use in our everyday life, they have their own life cycle. And just be more cognizant of the fact that um, you know there's a saying, there is no such thing as a way. When you throw something away, it goes somewhere. It's just out of sight, out of mind most of the time. So I think that's the biggest sort of uh habitual or mindset change that we can make is just being more aware of that fact
1: that sounds very smart to think you're not throwing it away you're throwing it out of your sight and uh, and so maybe what you're saying is the the way to avoid waste is to avoid bringing things (laughs) into your house to begin with
0: yeah yeah that
1: that that are going to be problematic.
0: Yep, so that's where you get into reusables, which is when you have a zero waste supply shop you're offering people alternatives to that single-use disposable plastic, and using you know reusable stuff instead. The big ones are you know people have clued into reusable straws, um, coffee cups, water bottles. But there are a lot of things beyond that that are sort of like okay, what's the next step in reducing your waste? So uh, produce bags are a big one at the grocery store. That is my personal pet peeve. Uh, I go to the store, I see people just sort of pulling like 25 bags off of those rolls and you know they one of the stores makes them green to kind of fool you into thinking that oh maybe this is recyclable and maybe it's biodegradable it's not it's just plastic and those are actually really bad if you put those in the recycle bin because they clog up the machinery at the sorting facility Uh, so that's a big one where you just just use reusable produce bags and you know you can bring them to the grocery store fill them up in the same exact way or even if you have These plastic produce bags at home, sitting in your cabinet, bring them back and use them again. Uh, So, a lot of things like that, um, you know, things I can give you a little tour around the store. Um, you know, things that you use when, when you take a lunch. So ziplock bags or tinfoil or, um, you know, different kind of plastic wrap. All of that, again, is, you know, very resource, intense energy, water being used to produce it. So can we use things that already exist and continue to reuse them? Which is also why I love vintage. And I, you'll see vintage glassware around in the store, too, because... Rather than buy a new reusable glass jar, well, why don't you just buy a, a reusable vintage jar if it's clean and it's you know well kept and safe? Um, you're you're cutting out another um, step in terms of energy and manufacturing by using something that's you know you can find locally and
1: is already made. Understood. So it's a good segue. Can you explain how you've taken these important ideas and? today is the debut of your brick and mortar store. What is your plan for t- taking these concepts and turning it into a business?
0: Yeah, yeah, so I have an education background. You know, So when I first started, I was thinking more along the lines of, gosh, like we know plastic pollution is a problem. We've all seen the really sad pictures of turtles and whales and animals being harmed by it. So I kept coming back to this question of, If we know better, why don't we do better? And there are a thousand answers to that question, but the big ones being like, well, there are not easy alternatives. Uh, It's too overwhelming, it's too depressing. So you just kind of shut it down. You know, if you're on Facebook, you see these like sad, depressing posts, you just kind of scroll past it. Um, So there's one, a level of awareness and education, which is where I was coming from. And I know a lot about this because it's a passion of mine. Do other people, I don't know how much other people know, can I be involved in helping to educate on these issues, but then not only share the sort of bad, depressing news about the state of the world, but actually give people something that they can do to fix it. Um, So, you know, I wanted something that would also be inspiring and hopeful and fun. And, you know, so... A lot of the things that I do, you know, posts that I write, I think I try to make them interesting and colorful to be engaging and not just hit people with the hard facts, but also, you know, um, give them a sense that there is something you can do to make a difference. There's a lot we can't control when it comes to legislation or you know big corporations and how they're contributing to plastic pollution, but there are changes you can make in your everyday life. If you have these alternatives. So, you know, I started off doing zero waste workshops and, you know, had kind of a consulting model in mind. And this was pre COVID. So I was talking to people about, well, what is zero waste exactly? What kind of problems exist that it's working to combat? How can we make these changes in our everyday lives? What are the biggest sources of waste that we're generating in our homes? Typically from the kitchen, kitchen and bath are the biggest ones. Uh, And then what are these everyday actions or things we can do to reduce our impact? Um, So there's that piece of it, awareness and education, but then you also actually have to have access to the alternatives. If you're talking about telling people don't buy dish soap in plastic bottles, well, do we have a refill bar here? So um, I started getting more into the e commerce side of things when COVID shut down the ability to have workshops and really interact with people face to face. So I pivoted in that regard and I kept thinking, you know, there are a lot of these companies selling reusable sustainable goods sustainability has become a huge buzzword but again they're not even asking all of the hard questions they're not even really taking it to the end of the line in terms of well if i'm going to give you a reusable tote bag what was that made out of did that come from organic cotton or gmo cotton what was um what were the resources required to grow that cotton? Because actually some of the data shows that um, the, the footprint of an organic cotton tote is actually greater than the plastic when it comes to um, the resources used to manufacture it. It's just that the plastic pollution is a little bit more triggering to most people because it's so visible.
1: Understood. Today is the debut of your brick and mortar Store. Run through some of the highlights of what you have in here starting today.
0: Yeah, so the Swedish dishcloths are the, the top number one seller, <laughs> as you, you know, you were attracted to them yourself. Uh, so they're biodegradable and compostable plant-based materials. Um, I also have reusable produce bags, as I mentioned. That's a big one. From your mom. Um. So my mom did hand make the bread ones. Okay. <laughs> so you can, you know, you take to your local bakery to get your baguette and your sourdough loaf, and then I've got other uh, produce bags to be used. I've got glass uh, storage jars for when the the bulk refill stuff comes. I've got you know vintage glassware and linens. I've also got um, the reusable bamboo utensil sets, which is great because right now, you know, we're such a, um, a food-based culture here, and we're doing a lot of takeout to support our local restaurants, uh, you know, so it's great to have that travel set of utensils with you so you can refuse the single-use plastic when you're doing your takeout food. Right. Uh, And I've got other bulk canisters. So metal containers, again, as I mentioned, um, metal, aluminum, and stainless steel are easier to recycle eventually if they have to be. So other kinds of, you know, little canisters to fill with your bulk supplies. I hope to offer like flour and some grains down the line as well that you can put in them. Um, let's see, I've got the not paper towels. So they're made of, um, cotton fabric remnants with cotton threads. You can roll them up on an actual paper towel roll and then pull them off just like regular paper towels. And then uh, you can throw them in the wash and continue to reuse them.
1: Okay, I've got I've got two more questions for you. Who, who Who's your ideal customer? What's the customer profile? Um,
0: you know, I think it really is anybody who's interested in reducing their impact on the environment and living a more sustainable life. Um, you know, so if I had to like pick a, de- a specific sort of like, like, you know, category of people, it's a lot of women. So I'd like to see more men interested in sustainability coming in. Um, but otherwise it's a pretty broad range. I've done pop-up markets all around the city. Uh, you know, so I, I think that like many more people are getting clued into the concept of sustainability and, you know, uh, reducing plastic waste. Uh, so yeah, I think just anybody who's interested in, in living more sustainably.
1: Why? Why do you think there is a gender gap in in caring and working on this?
0: Well, I think it comes back to all of the socialization around household chores and cleaning, and you know what the um, what's the the phrase like the second shift that women have. So you know it, it stems from that. Um, I, I often joke that like we need a new HOMEC model for the 21st century, you know, because HOMEC again, like if you think about it way back in the day, it was always, you know, women were the ones targeted and responsible for all these HOMEC activities. But it's still centered around home economy, the economy of materials coming in and out of your house and how you use things. So now we just need to sort of like rewrite that and have a more inclusive you know, and sustainable sort of 21st century home ec. I
1: like it. Um, I want to ask you the same question I ask everybody at the end of these conversations. We've had a lot going on this past year. You've pivoted once or twice, it sounds like. We've all been just going through so much here and everywhere thinking about your business and just everything in New Orleans, what makes you worried right now and what makes you feel hopeful?
0: Um, Let's see. Well, worry is just how hard it is to create real change at the corporate or legislative level. You know, I kind of, I like to say, um, love down, punch up. So there's, you know, that the phrase in the comedy world about no punching down. Right. So it's kind of similar, like you go to a store, you see a person who looks like very stressed and, you know, they've got a lot going on and they're using like 25 plastic bags. And like, ah, why are you doing this? And it's like, have compassion for the people around you in similar situations, and sort of channel that frustration and that um, drive for change upward. You know, lobbying your legislators, stay included into like what's going on in Congress. But that, to me, feels just so slow, and like I just don't have any agency in that process beyond my vote. Um, now, the flip side of that, what makes me feel hopeful is that you know, as consumers, we really do actually have so much power. Um, our dollar is our vote. So wherever you put it, that's the thing you're voting for. If you're spending it on Amazon, you're voting for, for that whole you know, um, beast. Uh, if you're buying locally, you're voting for the local business person who's trying to like you know, live more sustainably and you think about, think about things that have gone out of style. You know, you can think about things that you used when you were a kid that are no longer cool or fashionable. So, you know, single-use plastic can go out of style if enough people stop buying it. Um, you know, so I think that and just generally, um, you know, we didn't really have a real Mardi Gras, but people are more clued into um, reducing Mardi Gras waste. You have glass half full. People are getting more clued into like how that is evolving with the glass recycling. So there's more discussion of it, which makes me hopeful. It's just a matter of actually providing the alternatives. It's easy to avoid single-use plastic if you have an alternative near you. Well,
1: it sounds like a worthy goal, and I'm excited to see what happens with your new venture. Sarah Andert, thanks so much for being on the podcast.
0: Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media, at Biz New Orleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.